0: Well, hello. Thank you for joining us once again on the Salty Witches podcast. Um, Hello, Saltines. Um, I'm Mike, and this is Plant Austin. Um, Many of you will be upset with me because this will be the third week in a row I have now uh, told you that Austin will be returning to the podcast. And I I promise I've not been trying to lie to you, but um, Austin has been abducted. And the people holding him ransom have told me through many phone exchanges that the only way that he will be freed is if the people who listen to our podcast, you, you are beloved saltines, if you will go in and like and share and comment on this episode. We need, we need as many comments as possible because they're I, I don't know what they're going to do to him. But if we ever want to see Austin again, alive, again, we're, we're going to have to play this game. Um, so remember that. If this episode is, is a bummer, if this episode sucks, I still need you to go in and say you like it, because Austin's life depends on it. Um, having said that, let's talk tonight about a few different things. I want to talk uh, first about entheogenic herbs. And this was a conversation that probably would have been a lot more fun with Austin, because those of you who know Austin will know that Austin loves his entheogenic herbs. Um. But I wanted to provide some practical information. We've talked about entheogenic herbs on the podcast before. Um, you'll, if you've been with us for a while, you'll recall a couple years back we had Kobe Michael, who is uh, the creative genius behind the Poisoners Apothecary. Um, we we had Kobe Michael on the podcast, and um, we discussed you know the uh, the use of entheogenic herbs within different types of spiritual practice, um, and it was a really cool discussion. But I'm thinking back on that episode now, and I'm thinking we didn't really provide a whole lot of Um, We'll just say accessible, practical kinds of information. A lot of what we talked about was kind of really geared more toward more experienced practitioners. So I wanted to talk a little bit about these herbs and and really provide just a few things on how to incorporate them into your practice okay so um the first thing that I really want to talk about is entheogenic herbs you know as, as just a, as a what they are right so entheogenic herbs are really um a, it's a family of herbs that we recognize now for their just putting it bluntly their their ability to to basically fuck us up to help us to access altered states of consciousness okay um entheogenic herbs have been used for ever, as long as, as we as, as creatures have had a need to access an altered state of consciousness for, who knows, for spiritual work, for fun, who knows, whatever, right? Like, like we've utilized these things, you know, and, th- Historically, if any of you are familiar with these, you'll also recognize the, the the entheogenic herbs that we maybe are going to reference tonight on the podcast. Is these are also many of them very toxic, extremely poisonous, or baneful herbs. Um, and so that's going to kind of lead me to the first thing I want to talk about. Entheogenic herbs are significant to spiritual practice because they are psychopompic in nature. The plant spirits of these herbs are living beings. But through their poisonous nature, they also help facilitate processes of death, or what I would hope for most people who use them would be a near death, okay? or again, an altered state of consciousness, right? So they are psychopompic in the sense that they help us to kind of access that in between that liminal space between life and death. Okay, and that's one of the reasons they are so significant to witchcraft practice um is because much of the work that we do is going to be somewhere within the realm of well within that liminal realm right so so that's one thing to consider okay or one thing to be aware of right um i've got notes here i'm going to have to refer to real quick just so i make sure i don't miss a piece here um they're also valuable to us. I also want to say that these, these herbs are valuable to us, not only for their psychopompic nature, but because they are also, if you think about it, these are the genus loci. We talk about nature spirits or the genus loci, the, the plant spirits that, that are really just kind of a part of the world that we live in, our, our, our immediate environment these are these spirits are among them these plants are among those other those other plants and herbs right so they are genus loci they are also because of that they are often seen to be guardians many of the baneful herbs the herbs that we would associate with entheogenic or that would have entheogenic properties are also seen as guardians of the wild places in which they grow so they have a lot of really interesting associations for us as witches and particularly those of us who like to get into like hedge walking um astral work these kinds of things right so pretty important stuff Okay, um, talking about ways to work with entheogenic herbs practically, and this is really, again, kind of what I wanted to, to, to really provide tonight, is um, a, a little interesting, particularly when you look at the just the spectrum of practical application for these herbs. It doesn't matter where you're from, which culture, your ancestry, the area of the world that you live in now. It doesn't matter. Everybody out there is going to have a very specific cultural ties to herbs that would fall within this family okay um and it's always interesting to do some research there i always encourage people when they're working with antheogenic herbs to do history in uh research excuse me research into the history um and also potentially the cultural Significance of these herbs, um, even beyond spiritual practice, because that information is going to help you to cultivate a better connection with the animistic spirit of the herb as you work with it more and more. So do your research, not only into, of course, the organic components of the herb, right? Because again, poison, right? Make sure you know what you're working with uh but also look into the history look into the way that people who maybe existed even many 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 years ago even indigenous communities right look at how maybe they incorporated or work with these herbs right not to necessarily take those practices right but to have an understanding and an appreciation of those things right really important work okay and something that will help your practice to really i think flourish okay um Let's talk a little bit about cultivating a relationship with with an entheogenic herb and um you know and keep it practical you know when I talk about this in the classes that I teach and things here I usually tell people to first start by researching and learning a little bit more about just the the herbs that grow wild in your area you know we all I think live in well most of us I shouldn't say we all but most of us are, are fortunate enough I think to live in areas where you know we have who knows it could be your backyard it could be a public park it could be a canyon nearby that has a lot of growth wild growth right whatever wherever it may be right but we're i think a lot of us are still gifted or blessed i should say with having access to plant spirits that are just right outside our door right so don't be afraid to to first look into the plants that grow outside your home the ones that you share the land with because you'll already in a sense have a connection to those plants they're already closer to you um, start there. And then, amongst those herbs, do a little bit of additional research and look into which of those herbs maybe had ties to or connections to spiritual practice in the culture. And who knows, in people again that maybe lived in that area before you, right? Um, from there, you can usually kind of narrow that down a little bit to determine if, okay, are there herbs in the area that would p- potentially have associations or would maybe be considered entheogenic in, in their properties right um, and the entheogenic herb family like if you could call it that is is huge like that there's a lot of herbs and a lot of plant spirits that come into that, that, that or fall into that group so um they're they're everywhere they're everywhere okay you'll find one trust me if you go go researching and go looking you'll find one okay once you have found an herb that grows in your area, then I, what I usually tell people to do is then to put a little bit of effort into going out and foraging or wild crafting that herb if you can. And I realize that's not always possible, right? And you need to be really careful when you're doing that because it can be very easy to confuse one herb for another. Okay. Um, so make sure you really know your stuff, right? Um, but if you can go out and you can cultivate the herb yourself, it can be even, or bring more power to that relationship. There's a personal connection that happens there. And there is for many people, a very, ritualistic process that comes into play when you harvest an herb right there are usually offerings that are made to the plant you know there are of course you're asking right you're talking to the spirit of that plant like do you mind if i if i collect some of your leaves do you mind if i take a cutting of your whatever right with me today you know and then obviously depending on the communication you get you get a yes or a no right and if it's a no you need to honor that because if you don't and you take anyway that plant spirit is never going to work with you never ever will never be able to make that bond, okay? It's very sad. Very sad for you. And the rest of us will laugh, okay? Um, <clears throat> because we're wicked witches. But um, you're going to go and you're going to harvest that herb, okay? And as you're doing your research, it's also important to remember that you do a little bit of investigation into which part of the herb do I maybe want to work with, right? Um Some herbs, you know, it's the flower, right? Some plants, it's the leaf. For some, it's the stem. Some of them you actually do need to cultivate a piece of root, right? And when you're doing that, be very careful about root collecting because to take the root of a plant is, in essence, or is is potentially uh, killing the plant, right? So if you do need to harvest herb, be very careful about that. You know, Um, moderation is always key. Don't rip a whole plant out of the ground, right? If you can, dig down and take a small cutting of one, just one section of root, because you just need a little bit. You don't need a whole lot, right? To be able to establish these kinds of connections, Okay. Be respectful, right? Otherwise, these again, these spirits may not be as inclined to work with you, okay? Once you've got your plant, you're gonna take that back to your space, okay? And then there's a little bit of a process that I like to kind of talk to people about. You know, it's almost like like an introductory kind of a thing where you take your plant, Right, whatever component of the plant, whatever plant, and whatever part you've got, right? And you're going to take that and you're going to take over, say, the course of maybe like a week. You're going to sit for a few minutes each day and you're going to just kind of hold that plant and you're going to talk to it. And I know that might sound really odd, but if you are someone who wants to effectively practice witchcraft, folk magic, any other kind of alternate spiritual tradition that would encompass the concept of animism or would include the concept of animism, you're going to need to get used to talking to your plants and your rocks and pretty much everything else because everything has an animistic spirit, right? So, but talk to your plant, you know, and in the process when I say talk to that, not only are you thanking the plant for for agreeing to work with you, But you're also letting it know the intent and the purpose for the work, right? Like I harvested you because I understand that this will be a way that I can work with you, that you have the ability to kind of maybe help me to open my mind a bit more or that you have this, there's something about you that helps will help me to maybe be able to do this very important part of my spiritual work, right? Have that conversation, okay? But you also need to listen. You also need to make sure that you are open to the senses and to the, the experiences that come back from that spirit. Because if you start that conversation, you are open and those things, you will get some sort of communication back. You will. There will be something. okay? Um, and that can be really important because that is the plant not only giving you an opportunity, it's telling you its story, right? But it also could potentially be giving you details and how it will work with you, the way that you may feel that plant spirit manifest in the work that you do right? There's a lot of really important stuff that can come up there, right? So, so these are all important pieces, Okay. Right? Once you've had an opportunity to connect with that plant spirit in that way, what I typically tell people to do is then to take that same plant component, right? And if you can, try to either, and I recommend using like a small cloth bag for this, and make sure the cloth bag has a weave that's tight enough that like if you're using small plant debris, it's not going to fall through the bag, right? Um, but to use a small cloth bag or some other sort of um, pretty durable kind of kind of a container or hold, you know, something to hold, right? Um, And then to put your plant matter in that. And then if you can, to carry that with you for for probably the course of maybe another week or so, right? Um, I find it's really helpful. And what I usually do is I'll take a small component of the plant and I'll put it in a small cloth bag and then I'll actually string that and I'll wear that around my neck kind of like a pendant, um, you know, and I'll, I'll support that for, you know, maybe like, you know, like about a week or so. Right. And during that time, what's happening is I'm allowing my energy, my energetic field to begin to kind of bond a bit more with the animistic spirit of the plant. You know, I just find that doing these things initially, when you get to the moment where you're ready actually to like, to really work with the plant, like that, it just makes that go much more smoothly. If you've had a chance to, to again, kind of do some of these introductory steps. Okay. So from there, you know, you've, you've worn that plant, right? You've connected, excuse me, you've connected with that plant. You've done all that work, right? Now you're ready to actually like, okay, now we're, now we're really going to kind of start start getting involved in the work, right? So from there, what I usually tell people to do is to take that same plant, take it out of that little pouch, right? You're talking to it, you're thanking it once again, right? reminding it, this is what we're doing, right? And then to actually put that plant matter into a cup of hot water, and to allow that plant matter to diffuse, or I should say infuse into that water. Like you're making a tea, right? Or a tisane, right? Herbalists will call it a tisane. Um, but you're making a tea in essence. Um, and depending on the plant that you've chosen, you don't want to drink this tea. <laughs> okay, very clear, right? Again, we're dealing with a lot of these plants, very, very highly toxic, poisonous plants, right? But there is something about physical bodily contact with a plant particularly as it has had the opportunity to infuse into water water is such an amazing spiritual and energetic conduit right so you're going to allow the plant to infuse into that water and then allow that water to cool slightly and then what i usually tell people to do is to take that tea and to anoint themselves with that tea and and one of the easiest ways to do that is just to focus on the energy or the power centers that we all work with primarily as witches so that's going to be your brow Okay. For some people, throat as well, right? Because we speak, right? Okay. Chest, your heart space, okay? The open palms of your hands, right? Your lower abdomen, kind of like that that space kind of equidistant between like your belly button, right? And your, your hoo-ha, right? Super technical. Like I, I fumbled, Ashley. Ashley's here and she's giggling at me off camera. I'm like, your 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 special no-no place, your... Your flat. Your flower your your um yeah your 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 no no or your yes, yes maybe depending on the person I don't uh, know maybe, maybe. um your maybe maybe i've I've had lots of maybe maybes over the years then and, and usually maybe maybe moves to a yes yes, and then very shortly after I realize it definitely should have been a no no um <laughs> oof, so many stories anyway, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about herbs um so anyway, uh, but, you know, your, your lower abdomen, right? Um, and then usually the, the soles of your feet, um, I find are really beneficial. There's so much that goes on. Like if you've ever looked into reflexology, there's a lot that happens on the soles of our feet, particularly when you look at the way that our other systems within the body balance. Um, so put a little bit of water on the soles of your feet, too. Um, beyond that, that's another part of our body that mo- mo- most frequently connects to the physical earth, right? So why the hell not? Okay, Um And you anoint those spaces and you, at that point, you give yourself a few moments after doing that just to kind of just sit and kind of just be and to experience, just try to do what you can to be open, to try to just breathe. You know, you don't need to clear your mind necessarily, but to be present, right? And to allow yourself to feel, you know, from there, I want you typically or what I usually recommend is to document after that experience to document. And the other thing is, you can be documenting this whole time. Right. Um, the steps, the processes, the communication that you're getting from spirit, right? The things you're saying, whatever, right? Um, you know, do all that. But documentation is really important because that is ultimately going to be um, what I would hope would be kind of the history of the relationship now that you are building and have with more time have established with this plant spirit, right? Plant spirits are really cool to work with. And I, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you don't need to for this process, say if I were going to go out and I was going to cultivate mugwort, right? Um, I don't know that I would technically consider mugwort an entheogenic herb, but for many people, it does have the ability to kind of help them loosen up a little bit, you know, around their psychic ability and other kinds of senses. So who knows, right? Um, but say I was going to go out and I was going to cultivate some mugwort, particularly with the purpose of doing this kind of work with it, right? After I've done this work, I then, if at a later time, if I decide I want to once again work with mugwort in some capacity, I don't need to repeat this process because I have already connected to the animistic spirit of mugwort okay? So you're good. You really only need to kind of do this really just this one time, right? And then you have, if the plant spirit has agreed, you have this really cool magical ally, right? So it's really good stuff, right? Um, so some interesting information on entheogenic herbs, right? Um, let me make sure I didn't miss any pieces there. Did I cover that well enough, Ashley, do you think? Okay, all right. <laughs> Um yeah, I the last piece that I and I, I want to again I want to be really clear. I've said this a couple times already, but um, when dealing with entheogenic herbs, um, again remember please these are more often than not these are highly toxic and very very poisonous plants and herbs, um, and so you need to be very careful when working with these things. And there are many that I, I would say don't even go, don't even go there, right? Um, one other good thing to clarify also is that every poisonous plant out there is not necessarily going to be considered an entheogenic plant or antheogenic herb, right? Entheogenic herbs are, again, plants that tend to be poisonous. toxic or baneful in their nature but the way that that manifests in us is it usually again it responds in a way or i should say we respond to the toxicity of the plant in a way that again allows it facilitates an altered state of consciousness within us there are plenty of other poisonous plants out there like aconite that is not going to facilitate any kind of an altered state you're just sick and then dead and trust me aconite poisoning is a really horrible way to die um so, so, again, be, to be very clear on that, just because it's poisonous doesn't mean it's an entheogen, okay? Um, but historically, you're going to find that most entheogenic herbs are going to have been consumed, you typically will eat them, or you will smoke them. OK, Um, but you want to be so careful. You want to be so careful about that. Right. And I do not I want anybody to go away from this episode with this idea that they can go out and just smoke or eat just any kind of herb that they want to work with because you're you're going to get yourself into trouble. Hey, okay? that is that is not a good thing. OK, so please do your research. OK, make sure you understand what you're doing. You know, anytime you're working with these these plants, these herbs, I recommend that you start with very small quantities. Okay, And for many people, you don't even need to get to a point of consuming them. Or smoking them. It's just uh, being able to connect with them energetically is, is really, to be honest, most often enough. Okay. Right. So entheogens, have fun, have fun with your entheogenic herbs. All right. Um, kind of a, a different topic, but one that I also wanted to kind of discuss because it, while it's very different, there are some really interesting parallels here. One of our listeners, um, I believe on YouTube, um, sent us, uh, Topic suggestions or notes, basically, like kind of letting us know, like, hey, I'd like to hear you talk about this a bit more. And one of the things that was on their list of topic suggestions was osteomancy or uh, divination through bones, where you read bones or throw and cast lots with bones. Um, and we are going to talk about that a little bit more. I need to ooh, I need to figure out how to present on that, because that's that's really... I need to sit and figure out how to present on that in a way that's going to be... Um, a little more organized than I'm being right now. We'll just say that. Um, but I wanted to talk really, really quickly about a really interesting thing that osteomancy does have, again, in parallel to something like entheogenic herbs and the incorporation of plant spirits into our practice. Um, when you think about, again, the concept of animism, when you think about the animistic spirit of not only flora, but also fauna, right, I think it would make sense that what we attribute to an herb is something very often that we also could maybe see attributed to the bones or the remains of an animal right and i guess an example of what i'm trying to say is that many herbs when you look at medicinal herbalism when you look at many herbs um they will have a taxonomy and anatomy that historically has been used to identify how the herb will, will manifest medicinally. So for instance, there are herbs based on their anatomy, the way that the plant grows. There are herbs that will grow in a way where components of the plant, when it's mature, will actually look almost like human lungs. Um, and because of that, that plant historically will have been cultivated to be used as a treatment for, uh, um i try to say cardiopulmonary and uh and respiratory health issues right the idea or the belief that because the plant has a lung shape to its leaves or whatever like that that would somehow translate to like oh this will be beneficial to the human breathing system right the respiratory system right and weird enough like that's actually true a lot of the time like that's historically that's how a lot of that has worked out um so it's interesting when we take that same concept, because again, it's it's something that relates to not only the anatomy of the plant, but also the, again, the animistic spirit of the plant, right? Plant presents in this way, spirit will present in this way, manifest in this way for us. So when we look at that, when we look at something like um, the animistic spirit of not plants, but now, again, animals or the remains of animals, we want to kind of look at that. And as you are assembling... As you are collecting bones or other items for, say, a bone throwing set, right? An, an osteomancy set. I want you to, to, to really consider the pieces that you are adding. You know, for, again, for instance, if you wanted to throw a leg bone, right? And it can be something as simple as like a chicken bone, right? Like you go to the grocery store and you get a rotisserie chicken, right? And you have a drumstick left over, right? Clean that really well. And you got a, a lovely bone to add to your throwing set, right? But... In determining the, the the divinatory meaning of that bone, I want you to to move beyond, you know, maybe where you got a hold of it, and instead look at how the animal that that bone first belonged to would have used that bone itself, right? You know, so the again the 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 anatomy, the physiology, the use, right? You know, I made the example of a leg bone, right. Legs in osteomancy, particularly as you throw sets of bones and you read them, legs very often have associations to travel, to physical movement and to relocation, right? It makes sense, right? Bones, particularly leg bones... That's how we move. That's how we walk, right? They allow us to move. They allow us to travel. And so the association from the physical act that it was a part of when it was part of a living being has not changed. The bone is now still associated with physical movement, with walking and with travel, right? So you're doing your reading, right? And again, for instance, you are, you're doing a reading on, you know, like, Hey, you know, in the next year, maybe should I, should I relocate? Should I move? Right? And you cast your set and leg bone falls very prominently in your reading pretty clear indication that maybe relocation or travel is a good idea right okay and you'll see that happen in a lot of of things right you'll see that with teeth teeth are very often associated with aggression or the assertion of boundary right um skull bones and ribs right are very often associated with protection energetic kinds of protection or sources of protection in someone's life because again if you think about that right that's what skull bones do right they protect us they protect our brains right our ribs our ribs protect our organs right um so so these are are interesting things if you think about how again we we focus and work with animistic associations right um and again have you if you are looking at putting together an osteomancy set i want you to consider those things as you add pieces and add bones to your set right because there's interpretive value there absolutely right All right. Gosh, the only other thing I had on my list, we didn't really get any listener questions this week. Um, so the only other thing I really had on my list, and this is going to, I'm having flashbacks of like the podcast back in the day when we used to do the what we're loving and what we're hating segment, um, which we discontinued because that, that conversation particularly as it was happening and we were getting more to the what we're hating part of that conversation, um, we I think we were getting like too salty even for ourselves um so we discontinued that part of the podcast, and so but i'm I'm going to um I'm gonna throw this out there. <clears throat> it's um not necessarily the most positive, but I think it's an important thing to discuss. um I want to talk about issues of competitiveness that come up within the metaphysical community and particularly among people who are professionals in some aspect within the metaphysical community okay and i'm using the term metaphysical because this happens in the pagan community this happens in the witch community this happens in the santeria community the brujeria community this happens in the for sure in the new age and the light worker community oof it's really ugly there. Um, this happens in pretty much every facet of the spiritual community, and um, you know, and it's really unfortunate. You know, I see this a lot, not only in practitioners, but I see this a lot in people who own and operate shops, like the one that I own and operate. Okay, um, and competitiveness, that that competitive nature, when that sets in, it's it's tricky, but it's also at the same time, it's 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 very. It's very revealing. It tells us very clearly. I think if we're paying attention to that when it pops up, it tells us a lot of the time, I think, who we're really dealing with. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is that people who are highly competitive in nature, okay, that tells us very clearly. From the beginning that if they are that focused on the business competition and being able to get that next client or more clients or more sales or whatever it is that they're doing right if they that is their focus then that tells you very clearly that they are much more focused on their personal influence and on the money that they're making than on the work that they're potentially doing for you okay that also lets you know because of that same behavior that they are so focused on the external and what the people around them have going on, that they can't really be focusing on their work, right? Their their perspective is totally moving and, and and faced in the wrong direction, right? So I wanted to talk about that briefly because I'm seeing, and this is not a new thing, this has unfortunately always been the case, right? Thanks, capitalism. Um, but I'm seeing more and more um, just really just outlandish behavior and, and a lot of really awful gossip and a lot of just just nastiness popping up in the local community and communities all over all over the place i see a lot of this happening happening online where two practitioners for some reason decide they don't like each other and then all of a sudden it's this big competition around who's bigger better faster who's more successful in their work whatever right you know and as soon as you fall into that pattern like you've you've lost the game you you've already you've already lost you know, and I think it's just a really important thing to be mindful of. Um, those of you who listen to and, and, and watch this podcast, really, the benefit, to, I guess, talking about this is I want you to pay particular attention when you go into. Your your you know, your local metaphysical shop, when you work or interact with people at metaphysical shops, you know, when you um take classes from particular teachers or, you know, whatever, work with particular practitioners in some capacity. If you find, you know, again and again that these are people who are presenting a highly competitive kind of an energy, they are actively shit talking people that would would they at least in their view would be competitors business-wise. You know, they're having to put other people down to to Kind of prop themselves up right like if you're seeing that happening that again really just makes it very clear to you that that's probably not someone you want to do business with they're they're not in the right place they have not done their personal work they have not grown in the way that they need to to be doing or facilitating any kind of spiritual work for anyone else um beyond that they give the rest of us in the community a black eye with that behavior because people outside of our community they look at some of the craziness going on in these people's shops and and lives and practices and they think we're all like that you know and some of us are legitimately trying to be just ethical and good people who actually give a shit about who's walking through the door you know so um so just 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 consider that think about that a little bit because there's really there's no need for that it's foolish yeah so we have, um, I think right now, uh, we are all of us experiencing, um, well, it's different. I mean, here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're now moving into autumn, right? In the Southern Hemisphere, they're now moving into spring, right? But we're still kind of all over the place. We're really still kind of in an in-between time right now. And I've noticed, not only myself, but with a lot of interaction I've had with other people, that like things just feel weird right now. You know, um, I know in recent weeks, there was a lot of conversation coming from people around like, well, a lot of it, you know, people are attributing it to all the planets that were in retrograde, you know, and who knows, because there is some truth to that. Although I, I've said before, I don't know that the retrogrades necessarily affect us in the extreme that a lot of people think that they do. Um, but we're in kind of an odd time, you know, and in many traditions, particularly those that kind of center around the northern hemisphere or the western component that we see or Western occult practices. You're going to find that this, this, this moment that we're in right now, these liminal times that we could see happening, like spring, autumn, these liminal times, right? Um, that these very often, and the one that we're in right now actually is, um, that these are very often doors to what could be considered, um, particular phases of the year. We are now moving into, in our area of the world, we're now moving into what would be considered the dark time of the year. And when I say dark time, in no way does that Is that a negative kind of a thing, right? Remember, dark does not mean bad. Dark does not mean evil, right? We need the dark just like we need the light. Okay, but we're moving into an in-between or into the dark time of the year. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of us are feeling just like odd, tired, tired, Things are just, it's just been like emotions are all over the place right now for so many of us, right? I mean, just beyond the day-to-day stresses of life kinds of stuff, right? But I'm noticing a lot of people are also more spiritually sensitive right now. A lot of people are having some really crazy dream activity. Um, actual like external spiritual activity has kind of ramped up for a lot of people or they're more aware of it, right? But um, I think the reason for that is that as we move into the dark time of the year, we're actually supposed to be focusing a bit more on our personal work, And the way that we're growing and a big part of that i think sometimes is how we see the world around us the external kind of mirroring Mm -hmm. you know and so um now is actually a good time i think to to maybe make some plans in the coming months on how you're going to be checking in with yourself how have you grown in this year Right. We have um, the autumnal equinox coming up here within the next few days. Um, And that's an amazing time that that holy day, that Sabbath um, is a really good time to not only focus on the historical significances of that as it was a, a holiday in many cultures right um, but also the the mythological associations the old stories around the days like the autumnal equinox or mabon maybe if you know you acknowledge it as mabon perhaps um but to also look at what that means internally those uh those equinoxes and solstices those sabbats or those holy days um Always had a lot of external, um, celebration. There was always, you know, the rituals and the acknowledgements, you know, and, and, we have these, these ideas, these very romanticized, sometimes romanticized or romantic ideas of like, you know, the old village gathering t- together in the town square and burning the big campfire or bonfire, excuse me, not campfire, jeez, oof, bonfire, excuse me. Um, you know, for a number of reasons, right? You know, we have these, these visuals and, and those visuals are, are often very accurate. Uh, but, there's so much focus on the external, and a lot of people, I think, they neglect to focus on the internal, where we see this this coming uh, Sabbath Mabon as an opportunity to acknowledge the turning of the year and the changing of the seasons, and many of the other old stories that are associated there. Right. This is also a really important time for us, I think, to look at how we again have grown over the last year, at least year to date, right, and um, and how we're we're kind of reaping maybe what we've sown. In the prior months, right? Like now's a really powerful time for harvest, but harvest happens within as well, right? What is it that we, what is it we've cultivated? What is it that we we've grown, and what is it that we ultimately maybe will keep and integrate so that it becomes a part of our future, right? So it's pretty it's pretty good work I think and it can be very transformative but I also think that's one of the reasons why a lot of us are feeling weird right now because whether we're consciously doing some of this or not I think it's happening for a lot of us. Uh you know I've been struggling with this myself in the last few weeks it's been been an interesting month so far in September. Um but um you know but be uh Be validated in your growth and in your power. If you are having difficulty, if you are having difficult moments, particularly in your spiritual practice, that's usually a sign that you're actually like, you've, you've hit the good work. Like you're actually like, you're bumping into the edge of something real. Once things start to get difficult, that's usually when you know something real is going on. Um, so patch stuff on the back and, uh, and buckle up because we're not done yet. Um, but hopefully it'll continue to be uh, a little easier in the coming days. Particularly now that Mercury is out of retrograde, right? It's been out of retrograde for like almost a week now. Yeah. So I can't remember what else is coming out of retrograde. The other stuff all moves a lot slower. Yeah, I'm talking to Ashley off camera again. Um, that's all I really had for tonight. Um, so I, I, again, as always, want to thank you for uh, joining listening to me ramble again um hopefully plant austin was able to entertain you as well um again do go in and comment and like and share this episode so that we can rescue real austin from the kidnappers <sighs> he's not a kid what do they call it when it's an adult there's no adult napper abduction. an abduction he's an abductee hostage? he's a hostage oh god I know Austin. He's gonna end up with like a really vicious case of Stockholm syndrome. It's gonna be bad. He's gonna write a novel. Probably, probably. And maybe it'll sell well, and then he can, he can be my sugar daddy. That'll work out. I like this for you. Okay, I, I'm liking this for me too. That sounds sounds really really fun for at least a little while. Um, yeah um go in and like and share for real though go in and like and share um tell other people about our podcast this episode is a bit ridiculous admittedly but uh, but we do some good stuff we talk about some good things um i'm not going to make the promise that austin will be back next tuesday because again this is the third time i will have done that and i'm tired of being made a liar um trust me though austin's doing good things while being in the grip of kidnappers um He'll he'll be okay. Austin gets along well with everybody. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um oof. So we have, I think, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got some interesting stuff. We have a class coming up here this coming Sunday on witches' runes. Uh, many people are not familiar with witches' runes. Um, everybody hears rune and they always go like, oh, like like the Futhark, like the Germanic runes, and it's like, yeah, that's that's one alphabet um, or a few alphabets, I should say. But there are there are runes or systems of sigils and alphabets all over the world or from all over the world, and the witches' runes are a really cool one. Um, if you're in the area. And you are interested in in taking class this coming Sunday. Uh, Wendy is going to be doing witch runes. And I believe the people that are coming to that class are actually going to be making witch runes in class. It's going to be a good time. Um, In the next week, we have some other really cool stuff. We've got um, My Chaos Magic class is coming up, and I'm very excited for that one. Um, That class is an interesting one because I think people always come with an expectation. And then um, about 30 minutes into class, they're like, Oh. i didn't think this is what chaos magic was like i thought chaos magic was just i just get to do whatever the hell i want with whatever i want it's like oh no 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 in fact you need to probably have even more structure and, and more uh more ethics when you're going to be working as a chaos magic pras- a practitioner but uh, but that's okay but if you're available that's coming up in the next week um Oh my gosh we have all kinds of cool stuff um we have the twilight bazaar yes again if you are in the in the northern utah area and you want to come and join us this friday september 22nd from 6 to 10 p.m that's mountain standard time um yes we will be hosting captain cauldron will be hosting our twilight bazaar and that is a a really cool thing we've done that for a few years now and it's a really cool effort that we make here to to connect with really just community you know, we, uh, we do a lot of work to, to reach out and to, to kind of partner and to bring in other local businesses, other local metaphysical shops, you know, um, and to, to try to create a, a space where we can all just get over ourselves and get along for an evening. And in the process of doing that, also support our local pagan community. Um, and there are some amazing vendors, some, some really talented crafters and artists um that are going to be there in attendance um you know they're vending uh we also are gonna are we'll have our team of practitioners there so we will have people there doing psychic and other kinds of spiritual work as well it's a good time it's a good time um yeah and again if you're able join us this friday for the twilight Bazaar. so um please send us listener questions if you have them we love your listener questions um sometimes we get a really good listener question like last week's and you actually get to see me cry on camera um I don't know why I wilted up at the end of that. I was having a Kardashian moment there. That was really weird. Ooh, I need to go beat myself. That's right. All the vocal fry. I can't I do I can't vocal fry. I can't do vocal fry like vocal fry? I try to do it and then I'm like am I doing it? I'm like no, I'm not doing it. That's okay. Um anyway, please send us your listener questions because um they give us an opportunity to really help you, I think. You know, like who who doesn't who doesn't need an answer to an important question every now and then right um and it gives us something uh ideally structured and focused to talk about instead of the mindless rambling that i'm doing now